Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, LuckyRacket.com. That's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com. And use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's LuckyRacket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, August 31st. Yes, I am aware all of you listeners are hearing this show on Wednesday, September 1st. However, as I mentioned yesterday, what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks is dating each episode with the corresponding day of the 2021 U.S. Open that that show is recapping. In this instance, we're talking day two of the action in New York was another fantastic day of play that saw matches carry on past midnight into the 1 a.m. hour here on the East Coast. The day ended with a thrilling three-set victory for from 2019 U.S. Open champion Bianca Andreescu over Victoria Golubic. Of course, I'm going to be breaking down that match on today's show. Some of the other topics I'm going to be touching on. A quality day for the USA, in particular for the American men. We have 13 American men reaching the second round of the U.S. Open. Yes, only one of them is seeded. That's 22nd seed Riley Opelka. But still, we have talked so frequently about the depth we think is emerging in American men's tennis. It's nice to see that depth manifest itself with some success here early in New York. Of course, on the flip side, stability defining the women's singles event. Only three seeds knocked out in the first round of play. Of course, I'm not including Jennifer Brady and Ostapenko, who withdrew before round number one. But while that happened at the 2020 U.S. Open, prior to that, it had only happened, you know, last happened, I should say, at the 2016 Wimbledon. Parity is the name of the game right now in both men's and women's tennis, and I'll talk about how it's manifested itself in the men's side on today's show as well. But stability 
through round one in the women's singles competition. It's made for fun contrast, fun matches, exciting to watch the year's final Grand Slam unfold. Of course, before I get to all of the action, and by the way, also going to be talking about the biggest upsets on the day, the matches that went the distance, the other notable results, previewing day three's action a bit at the end as well. But before I can do that, just a couple notes for all of you listeners. A, while I do touch on day three at the end of this podcast, if you want to hear predictions 12, 24 hours in advance, hop on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. Each and every day, I'll be offering my GSP Ace of the Day selections. For those of you who want to play along with us with our friends at DraftKings, of course, you could do so. For those of you who just want to feel more informed about those sorts of things, the Great Shot Podcast Ace of the Day segment is the show you are looking for. You can find that every afternoon, early evening, somewhere in that 5 to 7 p.m. range. So be on the lookout for that to drop each and every day, of course. I do also want to mention before we get into it that the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, the support we get from our Patreon family, who, by the way, get a bonus match of the day segment where I talk about the match that I find most intriguing on any given day in this event. I talk about each of the players' past results. I talk about the key analytics, key key tactics heading into each match. I offer my prediction at the end as well. That is something we want to provide to our Patreon family because we are so grateful for their continued support. If you would like to join our Cracked Rackets Patreon family, feel free to hop on over to our website, CrackedRackets.com. Very self-explanatory from there. But of course, last but certainly not least, I do want to remind all of you the reason we're able to do this here on the mini break day in, day out is because of the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point. Best equipment, best prices, super easy. T-E-N-N-I-S dash, the symbol, not the spelling, P-O-I-N-T, tennis-point.com. The promo code CR15 will get you 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, let me hear you say it, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. That's right, folks. We are so grateful for their continued support. And look, Summer has quickly turned into fall. You got to update the shoes. You got to tighten the strings. Do the little things to make yourselves the best player you can be. Do so with our friends, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, let's get into an exciting day three, uh, day two, excuse me, recap. Again, what I'm going to be doing, breaking down some matches at the top, running through the men's and women's upsets on the day, talk about the matches that gone went the distance, talk about the other notable results, how the seeds who cruised look while doing so. Of course, preview day three a bit at the end, name my favorite matches. With that in mind, Let's start with Bianca Andreescu because, of course, the Andreescu storyline is one of the biggest storylines in tennis heading down the home stretch. Bianca Andreescu's 2019 season took us all by storm. Of course, what she was able to do over that course of the season, go to Indian Wells, not just compete there and, you know, make a round of 16, make a quarterfinal, make a semifinal, which, of course, all would have been noticeable, but no. What does Bianca Andreescu do to get her 2019 rocking and rolling? She goes and wins the title there, beats Kerber in an exciting three-set final. She then goes to Toronto, wins the title there, backs that up, 
by winning the title at the 2019 U.S. Open, was 42-8 and overall that season, was holding 74.1% of the time. That was a top 10 number. Was breaking serve 43.9% of the time. That was a top 10 number. She was taking the tour by storm. But, of course, injuries have been such a big part of her story since then. We didn't get to see her play at all. In 2020, it's been limited action for her here. In 2021, we have gotten to see her play a bit more since the end of the French Open. In particular, she's played Strasbourg, then she played the French Open, then she goes two weeks later, plays Berlin. After that, immediately plays Eastbourne, immediately plays Wimbledon, didn't play the Olympics, but was able to play both of Montreal and Cincinnati. And look, the results haven't been crazy for her this season. She's now 14-9 and with her victory today, but you can understand a year away from competition, you have to be able, you know, again, big picture, we should all be affording Bianca Andreescu some time to find her legs, to regain her form, of course. She was able to rip off a final in Miami, beat Anisimova Muguruza, you know, one of the few losses for Cerebas Tormo on hard courts this season. She also beat Sakri before having to retire against Ashley Barty. She also made a semifinal in Australia uh, after she lost her second round match to Sue way see the problem for her she has 2,000 points on the line at this U.S. Open and you look for her right now Bianca Andreescu in the rankings with those points coming off of her record Andreescu has dropped all the way to number 22 in the live rankings Uh, obviously that's down from number seven which is where she started this tournament of course she's also got the Indian Wild title coming off of her record at the end of this season as well the point being if she's not careful I mean she could find herself outside of the top 30 outside of the top 40 with that Miami final she probably stays inside the top 50 but you know she'll be on that bubble for qualifying at the 1000 level event she probably gets in on a ranking at a minimum if not she's going to get a wild card because Bianca Andreescu puts butts in seats but this is a pressure packed home stretch of 2021 for the 21-year-old out of Canada, and you look for Andrescu. that's what makes it that much more encouraging that she was able to grind out her three-set victory today, 7-5-4-6-7-5, excuse me, over Victoria Golubic for Andrescu in particular today, what was working so well. She just played the big points uh, in the biggest moments. She continued to be aggressive, continued to move forward, played on her terms, and For Andrescu, she was down a break throughout the course early of that third set. She's able to get the break back for four all. You know, gets an early double fault in that 6-5 return game for Golubic and takes advantage of it from there. Takes some big cuts at the return of serve. Gets that ball either deep on the one-handed backhand of Golubic, deep onto her forehand as well. Look, she made 36 on force errors in this match. There was no doubt there were times where there were easy sitters or easy returns that she should have probably just gone 75% on. Don't need to go 100% there. Set yourself up for the plus one ball. Find your rhythm in the match. You could also see some nerves for her. You know, when she had the short ball, easy second passes, she would miss them in the net or miss them wide or miss them long because she hasn't played on this stage, the stage that made her one of the dominant faces, one of the rising stars across the tennis world, Um, you know, she hasn't played here in over a year. And you could see that pressure throughout the course of this match. And yet, 
throughout the course of this match. Andreescu's level continued to improve. You look for her in set number one. She makes 66% of her first serve. Set number two, that dips down to 55. Set number three, her best performance of the match. She makes 74% of her first serves. You look for her overall in the match, 48 of 66 on first serve points. That's a 73% win percentage. That would be a top 15 number if she sustains it amongst WTA Tour players. She won 56% of her second serve points, perhaps most impressively, 15 of 23 at the net. She put a lot of pressure on Golubic. Didn't allow, you know, because if you allow Golubic to play on her front foot, you allow Golubic to move forward. She shows off her power. She shows off her craft. And credit to Victoria Golubic, who did just put a lot of pressure on Bianca Andreescu. When you don't have a lot of matches under your belt, we talked about this yesterday with Simona Halep. It's just a little harder to operate in the outer thirds, to have the sort of crisp footwork when you're moving forward that you need to perfectly time your approach shots, perfectly time those second passing shots. And so, you know, Golubic did a good job of exposing that rust in Andreescu's game. But man, I mean, the the best part maybe about Bianca Andreescu when you talk about her intangibles, her ability to compete, is for her, it doesn't feel like a slight. Because anyone who watches Bianca Andreescu takes three seconds to realize, oh man, ball just explodes off of Andreescu's racket. The, you know, the creativity she has as well, just everything Bianca Andreescu is able to on a tennis court looks so easy. At the same time, you know, Golubic continued to pressure her throughout the course of this match, made 68% of her own first serves, won 68% of those points, 53% of second serve points. There were only three breaks apiece for each player in these ma- uh, in this match for, you know, Andreescu. Two breaks in the first set, one break in the third set. Uh, that can't be right because it was a 7-5 set and if Golubic also won a break. Oh, so they didn't count the last point. Okay, two breaks in that third set. So she had four. There it is. But two breaks in the third, two breaks in the first, no breaks in that second set was one break of serve for Golubic. This was, you know, first strike, aggressive tennis. And Andrescu ended up winning in the end. And again, that she was able to find the big returns and land them in the court and put pressure on Golubic, make her feel the moment in those biggest uh, stretches of the matches, end of the first set, end of the third set. It's what a champion needs to do. And Bianca Andrescu is far from her best, but she was far from her best at multiple times in Miami and was able to summon that best at the biggest moments. That's what Andrescu does. When her body allows her to be, she is a primetime performer who rises her level to the level of the opponent. And again, the numbers for Andrescu right now are not pretty. You look at the advanced analytics. I mentioned it before for Bianca Andrescu right now in terms of from our friends at Tennis Abstract. Overall, ELO, she's 34th in terms of 2021 specifically. Specific results. She's 54th in terms of her hold percentage right now. Bianca Andreescu right around 24th in terms of her break percentage. Bianca Andreescu uh, currently at 43rd. I mean, that's not the Andreescu from 2019. That's an Andreescu who's struggling to find her form, but we saw it in Miami. Her peak is still very, very high. Let her find her sea legs, and you're not going to want any part of Andrescu moving forward in the draw. Bianca Andrescu now, you look with this result, she now matches up with Lauren Davis. It's a very winnable matchup. I mean, obviously, Davis is going to put pressure on you, make that match physical, but does she have a weapon to hurt Andrescu with? I don't know. If you don't have a weapon, that feels like a great match for Andrescu to find her rhythm, and then likely she'll have the big hitting Ludmilla Samsonova, who's actually older 
then Bianca Andreescu. There's a fun fact for all of you before a potential Kvitova or Sakari second week matchup looms, but do you want any part of Bianca Andreescu in week number two? I wouldn't. It's very much like the Osaka category where if she reaches week two, now she's in the favorite conversation. And I mean, there's only 16 players left at that point, but she becomes top four because her ceiling in one two out of three set match can be that high. Again, from a fitness standpoint, still need to see that answer, but she held up, answered the questions today. She earns a three set win over Victoria Golubic. Again, seven, five, six, uh, four, six, seven, five, two advance to round number two. With that in mind, let's stick with the breakdowns, but I want to talk about a couple of American matches in particular. Let's start with the upsets. Max Cressy, your result of the day on the men's side. He knocks off uh, Pablo Carreno Busta in five sets, comes back from two sets to love down as well. Five, seven, four, six, six, one, six, four, seven, six. If you have ever spoken with Max Cressy, and I think Blair Henley tweeted this out after, but we had the chance to hang out with him when he won his maiden challenger title back in. Was that the start of 2020? It was it was that no no because it was post no so it was 2019 when he won that challenger title back in Cleveland but you know talk to me he said I want to be the number one player in the world I want to compete and win grand slams Cressy has high ambitions for himself and for the man who either has turned or will turn 25 this season I mean what does he have does he have an elite skill the answer is on the right day yes 44 aces against Carreno Busta today. Made 65% of his first serve, 79 of 91 on first serve points. It's money. Like, I don't know what else to say beyond that. That is money, and it is a slingshot of a serve. It comes off the racket with easy pace, down the tee, out wide, slice, kick, you name it, he can do it. 28 of 50 on his second serve points as well. Approached the net 97 times. He is a servant volleyer with a little swag to it, a lot of chips on the return. He is not dynamic from the baseline right now. There is no doubt about it, but you can't teach that pop on the serve. You can't teach that intangible ability to move forward, B6667, the wingspan at the net. He knows where to go. I would say he's a quality volleyer, not a great volleyer, but a quality servant volleyer. The volley part is not an issue for him. It's just not exceptional, but... 81 winners in this match against 35 unforced errors. Yes, it was an outlier result, but this shows you what the outlier result can be for Max Cressy, that he can come back from two sets to one down, just uh, two sets to love down, and just wear you down. And for Carreno Busta, makes 78% of his first serves, wins 75% of his uh, first serve points. I mean, kicking himself. You know who's having the worst night in New York right now? Andrew Cuomo won, Carreno Busta two. I know it's probably – I think we're there right now. I, I, and by the way, there's no pity for Andrew Cuomo. There's pity for Pablo Carreno Busta because can you imagine playing a serve bot right now and just – again, you're up two sets to love and you're like, I've got this. I solved the riddle. I got the break of serve I needed. I you know, win the tiebreaker I needed as well. I am in control of this match. And then you just see it slip away, and slowly the crowd starts to fill in, and slowly they become captivated by the six foot seven and skinny, you know, American from UCLA, and just intrigued by this story. Good jawline and tall, and you know, again, just 
Korea Boosted destroyed a racket at the end of the match, you can totally understand why. There's nothing more frustrating than playing a match like that where you feel like you just have no control of the outcome, that it's completely out of your hands, and that is what the best version of Max Cressy can do uh, against you. You look for Cressy uh, here with this victory, I believe. Let's see. In the live rankings now, Max Cressy up to a new career high of number 145. One more win gives him a new career high of number 133. Again, that's still challenger range. But towards the end of this season, given we don't know, excuse me, how many of these top players are going to want to compete at all, play any of these post-slam events, given there is still a little, you know, there are still post-pandemic rules that don't make it the easiest thing in the world, Cressy will probably have some opportunities to play some qualifying at some 250s down the home stretch. Certainly, given how difficult it feels like it is to get into challengers, he doesn't have to worry about that. When you're top 150, you are going to get into challengers, get into Grand Slam qualifying, and you look for Cressy now here. I think you have to go over the past two seasons. You can't just do this season, although if you do want to look right now for Max Cressy, 234 in overall ELO. You look for him with his specific results 15 and 22 this season, 205 here in 2021 results. However, if you go back to the start of 2020, he had finally started to seriously build some momentum. He wins the Drummondville Challenger, beats Rindernesh in the final, loses to Rindernesh the next week in the Calgary final. Of course, those are indoor hardcore events that will always be the best portion of his career. But, you know, that was when he had ripped up into that top 200 range for the first time. And, you know, then it's just been so difficult to find challenger uh, competition and so difficult to just find all of these different opportunities. And, you know, look, he struggled here in 2021. There's no doubt about it. And you look for him, the clay court season, 2-8 and eight overall, both of his wins coming in Prague. That's it. You look for him on the grass courts, 4-4. Four and four. He does, you know, make the final round of qualifying at Wimbledon where he loses in five sets to a guy by the name of Mackenzie McDonald, who we'll talk about momentarily, but... Uh, you know, beats Kokonakis there. It was a good Wimbledon qualifying for him. Quarterfinals in Newport as well. Quality grass court season. This was the result he needed to bolster his hard court season. He comes through qualifying. Now he knocks out Kareno Busta, has a very winnable match uh, against Nicolas Bastelashvili. And by the way, you know, he won a match at the 2021 Australian Open. He came through qualifying there as well. On hard courts, Max Cressy is a problem, folks. And this is just, again, high-variance game, You can or high-variance result, just because serve, 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 serve. I suppose it's a low-variance game. You know exactly what he's going to do, but it can get you this sort of result. He earned it, folks. Again, I'll say the number, 81 winners against 35 unforced errors. This is why you go to college tennis. I was there when Max Cressy, 2018, was struggling to stay in the lineup for the UCLA Bruins. Now, of course, the next fall or next winter, he wins the freaking Cleveland Challenger and him and Keegan Smith win the NCAA doubles title. And he, Keegan and Govananda carry the team as a three-man unit to the NCAA round of 16 before they get knocked out by Baylor. He made a jump in 2019, has been riding that wave ever since, continues to improve. And what's so scary about Cressy is it does feel like he can continue to get better. This is a monumental result. And again, it just speaks to the momentum building uh, in American men's tennis because that's just one upset created on the day. There were three of them. 
from the American men. Taylor Fritz, one of the results of the day, one of the performances of his career was 0-4 against Alex Diemenauer coming into tonight's matchup. He earns a 7-6-6-2-1-6-6-4 victory and what was so impressive for Taylor Fritz, he just kept firing throughout the course of the match and you could tell watching this one because when he ripped off to a 5-0 lead in that second set it just it felt surreal it felt like demon hours sprang he just had no rhythm fritz was taking advantage of it playing fast hitting big but that the 5-0 scoreline had more to do with the lack of form for alex demon hour than anything else but then demon hour broke for 5-1 and then Demon Hour held for 5-2, and all of a sudden, it felt like he had found his sea legs, he had found his comfort zone in the match, but credit to Taylor, who kept swinging. And you look in this match, 42 winners against 53 unforced errors, minus 11, doesn't sound great, but when you're playing someone like Demon Hour, whose speed and his counterpunching just puts so much pressure on you, it's so difficult to get any ball by him, you have to keep swinging. Because if you get tentative, you let him start you know, running around the backhand wing, going inside out, inside out, inside in, slap forehand, that's when he has you in trouble. And of course, if you think you have an opening, you go down the line, you don't hit that ball big enough or precise enough, he is going to hit the first passing shot by you, if not create a chance for a second passing shot and no no one is better. Well, that's not true, but you know, he's certainly one of Alex Demonauer's best skills is his two pass combos. But Fritz kept swinging, and he only made 57% of his first serves, but won 66% of his first serve points, 54% of his second serve points. You look for him in particular in set number four of this match, 13 of 16 on first serve points, does not face a break point throughout the course of the set. Fritz has always been a primetime performer, and you look for the metrics here this season for Taylor Fritz, uh, currently 57th in overall ELO, currently 74th his 2016 record in terms of 2021 results. You look for Fritz, feels like he's a little low right now in hold percentage. You look overall for Taylor uh, he's currently sitting, I believe, 26th right now, it, or excuse me, 25th in hold percentage, but you look for Fritz in terms of his break percentage, 45th overall. He's breaking serve 18% of the time. He moved really well in this match. It was more difficult for Hour to hurt him than expected, and how did he get his break in that final set? Some spectacular defense uh, from Fritz, and it was spectacular. He tracked down a first overhead. Demonauer had a look at a second overhead. It was a great get, a deep lob, a tough overhead, and Demonauer missed it to create the breakpoint chance. Then a big return by Fritz. He's won the match, and you know a little defense earlier forced a missed volley. Now Demonauer should have made the volley, but it was another unforced error missed volley from Alex Demonauer, and just like that. Taylor Fritz survives. He's into the second round of this 2021 U.S. Open. Sets up a blockbuster second round match with fellow Californian Jensen Brooksby. But you look for Demon Hour, or excuse me, for Fritz now with this result. 21 in 16 now in 2021. Semifinals Los Cabos. Semifinals in Atlanta. Yes, there was a three match losing streak from Washington, D.C. through Cincinnati. But you know, you could see it on his face. This was the redeeming win Taylor Fritz needed. He advances to the second round now, and the draw has opened up for Fritz. Certainly, he will feel like the favorite in tomorrow's matchup. 
as he takes on uh, uh, tomorrow's matchup, excuse me, uh, two days from now's matchup, but his second round matchup as he takes on Jensen Brooksby. Of course, you look beyond that for both of them. It would be a potential third round matchup with either Karatsev or Thompson. Fritz can make the second week. Brooksby can make the second week. And I think that's where I want to go next now as we talk about the American men and their results because you look for the American men projecting forward. Mackie McDonald, one of the upset wins on the day, although, of course, according to odds makers by recent form, Mackie, who was a round of 16 appearance at this year's Australian Open, finalist at the City Open, has been a top 50 guy on hard courts this year. He knocks off an out-of-form David Goffin, who is banged up. You can just tell. Would not surprise me at all if he hangs it up for the rest of this season. Focuses on getting healthy in 2021, but you look for Mackey. 6-2-7-5-6-3. And he was in control of that third set, and it's a feeling... A, you had to have played a lot of tennis, but B, watch a lot of tennis as well. You sometimes know when a player's just in control and just feels like, yes, they're on serve one all, two all, three all, but the moment it's four, three, five, four, time to turn it on. Much like Andrescu in her match against Golubic, Mackie at the end of the third set. Uh, up 4-3 at a couple of breakpoint chances that Gofeng kept fighting off with some beautiful down-the-line slaps. In particular, there's a backhand slap down the line. Even Mackie was like, damn, that was impressive. But it just felt like Mackie was like, but you know what? It's time for me to get the break right now. He manages to do it. Uh, you know, he now has a matchup with Nishikori, a rematch from the City Open that Mackie McDonald won on that occasion. That's a super fun match. After that, it would be a matchup with Djokovic. Maybe that's a little bit tougher, but, you know, you look beyond that. Kudla's got Oscar Ota next, and Kudla today, uh, a four-set win for him. It was a tricky matchup for him, but ultimately he's able to get the job done, uh, I believe, over Laszlo Jure, who, of course, more of a clay quarter than anything on hard courts. But he'd have to beat big servant Oscar Ota, then would have a matchup with either Seppi or more likely 10th-seeded Hubi Hercots. Hubi would be the favorite, but... You know, Hubie throws in a stinker every now and then. So I don't want to say Kudla's path is completely closed. You look at other Americans. Sox got Bublik next. If he gets through that, it would be Alex Zverev. That's tough. Stevie J's got Monfils after. That feels winner, winnable. But I saw what Sinner did to him at the City Open, and that's who would loom next. If not, the Spider-Man, of course, Spider-Man, the Kalamazoo champion, becomes the first Kalamazoo winner since Denis Novikov in 2012 to win a main draw match at the U.S. Open. Spida today, four-set win over Chechenato. There were tears in his eyes. That win meant a lot to him, and I know, you know, this is a guy who won a second Kalamazoo title this year joining Elite Company, and honestly, probably would have won three in a row, been the first guy in history to do that, and you know, to be frank, I know he was banking on that Kalamazoo wildcard last year to get into the U.S. Open to provide not only a paycheck for a guy who has turned pro, but the opportunity to do just this, get a main draw win, and you look for the Spider-Man now uh, who is outside the top 700 entering this event. He now, uh, with his result, will move up in the rankings for Spider. Now you look for him with this result. He is all the way up, uh, I believe, let's see, he had to have jumped monumentally to number 473. That's a new career high for him, up 243 spots from 707. And, you know, that's still, especially right now, going to be a little difficult to get into challengers. But he'll get into things by being top 400. And by the way, with one more win, he would skyrocket 
up the rankings. He would go all the way up. Let's see. One more victory would put him all the way up to number 363 in the ATP rankings. Now you're talking challengers. And again, for the 18-year-old who struggled a bit uh, throughout his pro career, of course, he's been offered many chances via wild cards to play at the challenger level. But of course, you're asking a 16, 17-year-old kid to compete against grown men. And you know, you look for him in his career as such, 17 and 26 overall. A lot of, you know, tough challenger matches, tough challenger results for him, of course. You know, he did come through qualifying at the end of last year, beat Brandon Holt before losing in three sets in the round of 16 in Orlando. Qualified this year in Little Rock, made a quarterfinal in Wichita earlier this summer, but this is the biggest win of his pro career. No doubt about that. You could see that on his face. He's now inside the top 500. The paycheck alone, certainly valuable. Second round money, that pays for you to do some traveling over the course of the next year. So you got to feel good for the Spider Man, who, you know, again, 18 years old, still very, very young, turns 19 at the end of November. But. Uh, you know, it's he's not going to college. He has turned pro, so you need the paydays. When you turn pro, this will certainly help with that. Part of that young generation, Korda, Nakashima, Brooksby. Spida not on that level because we haven't seen the corresponding pro success, but certainly from a da- uh, junior standpoint, he's been the dominant force in uh, American uh, boys' junior tennis, and so great to see that success manifest itself at the pros, of course. Cressy has knocked out the big seed in his section. He's got Basilishvili next in that section. It's Cressy, Basilishvili, Opelka, Musetti. I think Opelka, collision course, fourth round. That's your guy. America, that is your path in America to an American man in the second week of the U.S. Open. Opelka or honestly Cressy, I think Opelka against Musetti in particular, that's a good matchup. He's the guy who I think can do it. Uh, be on the lookout for that section of the draw. Escobedo's got Harris next. Uh, Escobedo today, dominant straight set win. His best performance, I would argue, since maybe 2017, 2018, as he earns a straight set win today over Cuevas. He's now got a date with Lloyd Harris, would then be probably Shapovalov after that. That's obviously a tough path. Again, quickly, I know those are all of your American results today, but just because some of you may be curious how the Americans yesterday did, how their draw looks as well, because again, 13 American men into the uh, into the second round of the U.S. Open. That doesn't happen every day. Tiafo's got Paya tomorrow, then would potentially have a date with Rublev. That's tough. You look at the other Americans. Nakashima, I think, has a good draw as well. If Riley's won Nakashima's path, he beats Moken tomorrow, then either Anderson or Schwartzman. I think those are both win- winnable matches. Marcos Giron, Dan Evans tomorrow, then either Dimitrov or Paparin. It's possible we see multiple Americans in the second week of the U.S. Open, and boy, wouldn't that be a sweet note to end this 2021 season with. But again, American men, quality day for the USA in New York. With that in mind, let's get back. Oh, and by the way, another American who had success today. I do want to quickly touch on Jensen Brooksby. If you don't have a weapon, you're just not beating him. And there were times when it felt like after a point he was going to fall over. And there were times when it felt like he was limping to the next ball. But his anticipation skills, his reach, his feel, his hands, it doesn't matter. Jensen Brooksby gets the job done. 7-5-6-2-5-7-6-3 in a physical match against Winston-Salem finalist Mikhail Emer. I do want to quickly address... End of the second set, Emer destroys a racket after there's a long service game. Brooksby manages to hold, 
excuse me, 4-4-2. I get so excited talking about it, but manages to hold 4-4-2 in Emer cracked a racket and as such it, it uh, he says he drew blood as he cracked the racket didn't notice it until after the first point he felt the blood coming down his hand before or after initially going to the line he goes back to the towel to wipe off the blood at while doing so he gets a time violation uh, from the chair of course he had just got a racket abuse warning to uh, a point earlier and Emer was not happy about it, and he started arguing with the chair umpire. The chair umpire started pleading his case right back to him. He, you know, Emer was demanding to speak to the supervisor. The chair umpire said, no, I'm correct in this instant. Eventually, he said, fine, we'll bring out the supervisor. The supervisor agreed with the chair umpire. There were a couple more point penalties. An unsportsmanlike conduct penalty uh, was given to Emer. A time violation uh, – time – yeah, I think it was a violation was given or whatever. Uh, not – we'll say time by violation to Emer and he ends up you know giving that game away 5-2 Brooks beholds for the 6-2 set uh they do end up continuing to play but credit to Emer who takes an extended bathroom break changes his clothes and comes back out on court ready to compete and he takes that third set despite being down a break throughout a lot of it 7-5 and then you know the the fourth set was just a slugfest two guys competing their tails off absolute grind absolute track meet again all the credit in the world to Emer for not letting that end of the second set moment get the better of him at the same time mortals don't get in the way of Jensen Brooksby you look at the advanced analytics for Brooksby now uh, you look for him 29th in terms of overall ELO 25th in terms of 2021 ELO you looking for him now in the race to the year-end finals. Not that he's going to finish in the top eight, but that he's 48th overall speaks to the fact he's been a top 50 player this season. And for a guy who was just you know dipping his toes really into the challenger level at the start of this year, his turf toed, uh, his turf toes, I suppose, to start. This is just another incredible result for him. And I, I'll continue to say it: his ability to grind just an outlier his high percentage tennis the fact that he just seemingly tracks down every ball the way he pumps out the crowd he's the most compelling watch on the ATP tour right now yes I'm biased when I say that but I believe it and I do mean it when I say it but again those are your breakdowns on the day to roll through the upsets I know I mentioned this stat already only three seeds eliminated through the first round of the 2021 U.S. Open in women's singles. Mukova today, yes, it was an upset, but I talked about Cerebes Torma, who I believe is now 24-7 and seven on hard courts this season, has won a title, made a couple of finals, 6-2-7-6 over Mukova. Just her physicality, impo- the way she imposes her will on a hard court, she tracks down everything. And unless you hit that approach shot perfectly precise, she's going to get a look at a passing shot. And if she gets a look at a passing shot, a, she's dipping it at your feet and setting up the second pass. B, she's lobbing it over your head. Or C, she's slicing it by you. And it's just she can do a little bit of everything. And much like Barty, that backhand slice just disrupts opponents' rhythms. And she's able to keep that slice low. It doesn't float. It doesn't stay short. It's not supremely attackable. Her on-the-run forehand, it's Roberto Bautista good and Bardyish. It's exceptional. And, you know, she makes, like Brooksby, 70% of her first serves. And I think there's a lot of comps between Cerebez and Brooksby, uh, Tormo and Brooksby. That's why it was so funny. They were playing simultaneously. Sorry, Jess Pagula. I know you say Brooksby's Kenan. I say Brooksby's Cerebez Tormo. And maybe a little bit more juice than that. But I do think, you know, again, I don't qualify this as an upset. She was the better player. She showed as much. Well-deserved win for Cerebez Tormo. And again, 
Mukova made two quarterfinals at slams this season. Let's not put a damper on what she accomplished this year. Your other three-set win, Kirstea, who I believe is one of six players to make the third round at all three slams this year. She knocks off Kudermatova in what was always going to be a three-set match, 7-6, 3-6, 6-6, advance to the second round. In terms of your upsets on the men's side, I mentioned this, uh, or I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but all but four of the men seated between 19th and 32nd in the world have been eliminated, uh, uh, in this event, have been eliminated. You look at it, the 18th seed is there, 20 seed Sinego, 23 Umber, 25 Hatchinoff, 26 Nori, 27 Gofen, 28 Fonini, 29 Davidovich Fokina, 30 Chilich, 32 Krajinovich. They're all gone. And that brings me back to a quote Dennis Kudla offered me in D.C. at the 2021 City Open. He said, look, I think I can make a push right now to the top 30, top 20 in the world. A, you know, as related to him, he thought he was playing his best tennis. But B, he spoke about the fact that he doesn't think right now there's a solid group of 20 that are just impregnable, that have their, you know, foothold at the top of the men's game. And while I do think we've seen a top 8, top 9, top 10 emerge, everything beyond that. I mean, PCB losing today, that was shocking. But Demon Hours lost to Fritz, I don't think that was that surprising. Isner's lost to Nakashima, not that surprising. Hatchinov rolls his ankle at the end of set four, but still in general, I don't think his loss to Lloyd Harris today in five sets was that surprising. Mackie beating Gofen, I already discussed, not surprising. 7-6 in the fifth for Pospisil over Fodnini at this stage of the careers, not surprising. 6-7-7-5-7-6-7-6 for Ota over Sonego. Yeah, that one's a little bit surprising, but not shocking. Like, Oscar Ota serves big, plays big, much like Cressy high-variance games. Sometimes that happens. And, you know, guys like Chilich, Kranovich losing, I don't think that's going to shock anyone. Nori's loss would be a shock if it wasn't to Carlos Alcaraz. The point being, I know there have been a healthy amount of first-round upsets on the men's side, but if you really look at the context of each of them, this speaks to the parody we have seen emerge on the ATP Tour. It's manifested itself. Two things we talk about, the parody on tour and the depth in American men's tennis, the first round of this 2021 U.S. Open, have epitomized those two facts, but those are your upsets on the day. And again, you look overall in this tournament now, 10 seeds have been eliminated for the men, five seeds in total, three in play for the women. You look at the other matches that went the distance today. We'll start on the women's side. Thought it was a hell of a performance from 2021 USTA San Diego Girls 18s champion Ashlyn Kruger. I'm on the Kruger bandwagon. Boy, the 18-year-old hit big. Easy power off of both wings. Easy power off of the serve. It's not the most consistent yet, but she's got the sort of plus pop to play on her own 17-year-old career. I keep saying she's 18. She's still 17 years old. 6.03 in the world, which is a new career high. But you look for Kruger again. When she becomes more consistent in that first serve percentage, is playing first strike more consistently, just becomes a little bit stronger in her legs. Although I do think someone with her size, her movement skills, there's just a place for that in the modern game. If you're making short lists of the most talented young American women, Ashlyn Kruger belongs on it. Yes, she ended up losing her match today in three sets uh, to Shmladova, but you know, I just think she ran out of juice a little bit to start that third set in particular. I, she started fighting back a little bit at the end, but just ran out of juice there at the start of the third after she won a dramatic second set. So Shmladova, 7-5, 6-7, 6-3 victory 
over the 17-year-old Kruger. You look good news for the Americans. Lauren Davis, 6-2-2-6-6-3 win over Tomova Hrithminen. Takes advantage of her lucky loser status. Three-set win over Nadia Podoroska and then Gracheva in upset by odds makers. Odds over Perea Zaz-Diaz. 5-7-6-love, 6-2. On the flip side for the men, can't slow down. Andrea Seppi gets another five-set win in his career. This time, it's over Fucevic. 2-6-7-5-6-4-2-6-7-6. Makes sense that the guy to slay Fucevic is Andrea Seppi. Of course, you also had a win from Griegspor. 2-6-7-6-4-6-6-4-7-5 over Jan Leonard Struff. The moment you get comfortable with Struff, folks, that's the moment an upset like this happens. Ramos Vanola's five-set win over Luca Pui, and then Jordan Thompson. I believe it was the seventh 7-6 seven, in the third match, on the uh, in the fifth set match on the men's side. I believe that sets a record for the uh, U.S. Open history, and I believe that sets a record in Grand Slam history. Again, parody is the name of the game. Those are your men's matches that went the distance. We run through the other results here down the home stretch of our show, and I will try my best to get more guests on this podcast moving forward. When matches end at 1 a.m., it's just a little bit hard to call someone and say, hey, you mind staying up and chatting for 45 to more realistically, if it's two of us, an hour and a half here about day two. But as we get to day three, four, five, six, things end closer to eight, nine, ten. I do uh, plan on having some guests for all of you listeners. But again, other results here. How did the top seeds look? Fairly straightforward day for the women. Barty served for the match. What was it, up 5-4? I think it was up 5-4, or was it 6-5? One of those. She served up for the match in the second set, got broken, ultimately comfortable tiebreaker, locked in physically, just didn't make unforced errors. 6-1-7-6 win for her. Over Zivanareva, there was no concerning data point, no outlying. She looked outstanding data point. It was just another ho-hum, typical Barty win. She looks like Ashley freaking Barty, world number one, in her first round match. Now, Good win for Pliskova over the hard-hitting young American Katie McNally, 3-4. and four. Ditto for Iga Sviantek over a partisan pro-Jamie Loeb crowd. Obviously, Loeb, the hometown player. Sviantek, 3-4. and four. was good performance from Loeb, but Iga, just too much firepower in the end. Speaking of firepower, straight set wins for Kvitova and Bencic on the day. They are both dangerous here in this 2021 U.S. Open. Of course, Pavlachenkova, she's just loving life. Straight set wins over Risk, Sakari, Pegula, Bedosa, Conteve, and surprising win, honestly, from Petra Martic in straight sets over Golfi, but all of those seeds advancing in straight sets for Sakari in particular. Four and three over Martha Kostyuk. I went through the record. I don't remember if that was on yesterday. I think it was on yesterday's show, but Yes, she's cooled down a bit since the first third of the season. Yeah, it was definitely yesterday's show because I did the fraction math. Five-twelfths of the season, but, you know, Maria Sakari can still ball, and it's good to see her find her form again here in the first round. Of course, in terms of your other unseeded results, good day for the youngsters. Clara Tossin, former World Junior number 1, wins the Battle of the Claras 5-0 over Burrell. Emma Radikainu, one of the rising stars of the 2021 Wimbledon, made the round of 16 there. Gets her first U.S. Open victory with a 2-3 win over Stephanie Vogel. You look at some of the other youngsters who had success. Big hitters, Ludmilla Samsonova, 3-2 win over Katie Bolter. Much needed win for Amanda Nisimova. She slipped down outside the top 70, but still now hovering around number 75. 
five with a five and two win over Zarina Diaz. Shelby Rogers, your other American winner on the day, was down an early two love deficit before earning. Uh, 12 of the next 14 games, she takes a 6-4-6 love victory over Madison Brangle. Your other wins on the day, veterans Tomjanovic, Sue C wins over Volinets and Lou, respectively. Shui Zhang got a win over young American Haley Baptiste, I believe American women's wild cards, 0-8 in the first round. Uh, you look for Trevisan. She gets a straight set win over Vandeweghe. Teichman continues her success from Cincy. Straight set win over Bukska. Sinyakova earns a tricky one. 7-6-6-3 over Sevastova. Faro, Pliskova, Doi. Your other straight set winners on the women's side. We flip gears now to the men. Yes, Djokovic lost his set to Holger Rune, second set 7-6, but the other set 6-1, 6-2, 6-1, let's remember. He lost his set to Jack Draper in his first-round match at Wimbledon. Let's remember he hasn't played a match in more than a month. Let's remember that it was a partisan crowd for the in New York towards Holger Rune. They wanted to see Djokovic push. They wanted to see some action, and that he was pushed mentally but not really physically. I know that was a tight 7-6 set, but one tough set in a four-set match is going to happen. I think other than that, Djokovic managed his energy levels and his physicality pretty well in this one. It's good to be tested, but not to be challenged. Djokovic was tested here early, but not challenged. He'll, He'll be okay. Moving forward in this match, uh, he gets the four-set victory. Now sets up the match with Greek Spore. You know, Zverev was tricky first two sets. Query was serving well, but gets the two breaks in the clutch moment. Four, five, and two. He advances. Good win for Berrettini. Was down breaks in both sets, one and two, against big hitting. Always dangerous Jeremy Chardy, but managed to steal those breaks back. Steal the first two sets. Get off court in three straight sets, six, six, and three. He's still looking to find his sea legs after that post-Wimbledon injury. So this was a good result for him. Good win for Hubie Hercots, who sometimes makes the beginning of tournaments a little bit more dramatic than they should be. He wins in straights over Jerasimov. You also had a win from the Sin Man in four moments. Feast in three, Karatsev in four, Riley, ditto to what I said about Hercot. Sometimes, you know, again, he'll either lose first round or make the semis of the tournament. He was locked in today. Six, four, and four over Sun Wukwan to advance. You also got a win from Sasha Bublik in four over Yannick Hanifman. In terms of your other results, Vasilishvili knocks off Korda after Korda's forced to retire in the second set. Disappointing ending to, for him, but it's a blip on the radar. We will get plenty of set to be Korda over the next decade. Of course, you look past that. Wins for Ivashka, Mute in straight sets. Nishikori earns a four-set win. Stevie J, a nice four-set win over Max Martyr. He was in jeopardy down a set point, in jeopardy of going down two sets to love. He comes back 5 7 7 6 7 6 6 3. I mentioned the wins from the Spider-Man. Jack Sock, four sets over Nishioka. Kudla, four sets over Jure. You also had a four-set win from Lorenzo Musetti over Emilio Nava. And then your head scratch of the day. Roberto Carbeas Bena, four set win over Tommy Paul. It's just too hot and cold for Tommy. That continues to be the case. We know his good can be very good. He's got all the gifts, all the shots in the toolbox. The question is, can he get over that finish line? Uh, can he put it all together, excuse me, for you know a six, eight week stretch, really rip off a run of success? He's yet to do that. We'll have chances, certainly down the home stretch of the season, but that's a disappointing result for him, particularly given all the American men's success in New York. 
But that's your day two at this 2021 U.S. Open. That's where things stand after the first round of play. Of course, day three begins our second round action. You know, the blockbuster match has to be Sloane Stevens, your former U.S. Open champ, taking on rising American young star Coco Goff. Coco Goff spoke in the press conference. It was her 10th, 11th birthday that Stevens surprised her, and Goff was so excited to have Stevens there. And obviously, Stevens has been a role model, a mentor to Coco throughout her young career. Look, those are two grinders. Two, that match is going to be physical. That match is going to be a battle. And certainly Stevens has the firepower to give that golf forehand problems. But golf has just been the more consistent, more locked in, precise player throughout the court. You know, golf is a slightly better version of what Stevens is doing right now. And so I do lean towards Coco Golf, but that's a fun primetime match on the women's side. You know, Kanepi Fernandez early hitting of the ball, getting to the net as well. That should be a fun battle. Colin Duvon, power, power, power. Osorio Serrano versus Shabur, fun craft. Von Drusova, Kasekina should get physical. Rabakina, Garcia, Zidanzik, Sabalenka, the contrast of styles. I think it's a more fun day on the women's side than the men's, although there are some juicy ones. RBA on upset alert once again as he takes on the dangerous big hitting Emil Rusevori. Of course, you've got Carlos Alcaraz taking on Arthur Rindernash. Those are two of your most improved players over these past two seasons on the ATP Tour. Dan Evans, Marcos Giron, that's a cracked racket special. Daniil Medvedev, I just think Kofor's going to give him a hard time. I think Kofor's pl- fine playing long physical rallies, so I think that could be a two and a half, three hour, five, five and five sort of win for Medvedev, maybe even see Cope for steal a set. So again, should be a fun day three. You want to hear my picks where I think there's value for all of you listeners. Go head over to our GSP Ace of the Day podcast feed where we will have picks for all of you each and every day throughout the two weeks in New York. Of course, if you have missed any of the action, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. I know the tournament started, but a lot of that preview guide content still holds up. So if you want to hear conversation with, you know, Tennis Channel editorial producer David Kane. You want to hear from usopen.org writer Chris Otto. You want to hear from Crack Rackets champion David Gertler, return champion Gil Gross, to Tumaini Carriol, all of the guests we've had. You can find all of the podcasts on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the GSP, the Cracked Interviews podcast, and all that we are doing here at CR. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot pod a shout out as always to our super producers max Fliegner and daniel westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out a shout out as well to our friends over at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with all of that set for super producers Fliegner and westoff for our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.